Well, it is a really great joy to be worshiping with you this morning. And it's my honor to share with you from God's Word. This is uh, finally the finally the day, the last time that I get to share with you all for a while. And I'm very thankful for for this church, for each person here. For those of us who are uh, worshiping with us online. Um, as I look out at this congregation, it's different from uh, when we first started, when we first visited about seven years ago, and when we first came back to Lithuania five years ago. So many different faces, but uh, a few of the same faces as well. And we trust that in God's plan, this will not be the last time. We will. We already have making plans uh, to visit after we we leave tomorrow morning. Now, I was thinking about what I would share uh, the last time, what, what book I should preach from. So I'd like you to turn your Bible to the book of Isaiah. No, I'm just, just kidding. Um, I settled actually on a passage from the book of Ephesians. Now, the book of Ephesians is a book that has always been really special for me. I've always loved this book. And many, many years ago, when I preached my first sermon in a church on a Sunday morning, it was from the book of Ephesians. And uh, this morning we'll, we'll read from chapter 4 of Ephesians. It's such a powerful and important chapter and it kind of pulls together many of the things that Paul has been saying in the first three chapters. And so in light of all that Paul has taught and all that all that God has done for us in Christ and by the Spirit, how do we live together as as a church body? How do we live as individuals and together as a family and in the, and in this world? And this is a challenge, I hope, for for all of all of you as we go, but also for me and my family as we move on to the next uh, ministry that God has for us. So just a brief uh, comment on the first three chapters of Ephesians. In chapter 1, Paul begins by talking about the, the rich blessings that God has given to us in Christ. 
And he says that all uh, all God's people, uh, men and women, inherit this uh, this inheritance of salvation as if they were sons. And we see the work of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit in accomplishing uh, salvation for his people. Uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, yes, uh, in, in, in salvation. And chapter 2 is two halves. In the first half, we are reminded that God has saved us by grace through faith. And, and saved us for the purpose of good works. And then the second half of the chapter, he talks about how Jews and Gentiles can live together in the same family of God. And chapter 3 continues to explain this, this mystery. And uh, that the Jews and Gentiles are together in God's family. So let's read now. Uh, the, let's start with the first six verses of chapter four. And because we'll have English and Lithuanian on the screen, we'll read in. We'll read in Russian. So Paul's emphasis in these first six verses is unity. He says the word unity, but he also uses this, he says that there's one body and one spirit and one baptism. So he is, really wants the, the church to remain unified. But the problem is that uh, sometimes when we want to remain unified, we can just be tempted to kind of smooth over any differences. The fact is that we cannot remain unified if we abandon the truth. Or if we abandon uh, God's way of life. In fact, the church is most unified when we are living in the truth of God's word. And 
Now, I grew up myself in a Christian home. Um, and since that time, since I grew up, two out of the six of my family members are, uh, have, have walked away from the Christian faith. Now, the four of us who are still Christians uh, remain very close, and we talk with each other quite a lot. And you might think that the other two who are no longer Christians might be relationally close because of what they, they share. At least because of what they share that's different from the four of us. But actually the relationship between those two members of my family is probably the one that's most broken. So as the world remains divided, the church should be a place of unity. Unity because of the truth. Because of what God has done for us. And another word that sticks out to me in these verses is humility. Uh, and this is how, we, as we are humble, we follow the example of Christ. If you're humble, you don't think of yourself as better than other people, and so you want to, to serve them. Okay, let's read verses 7 through 13. Каждому же из нас дана благодать по мере дара Христова. Посему и сказано, вошед на высоту, винил плен и дал дар человека. А вошел, что означает, как не то, что он и не сходил прежде при исходнее место земли. Несшедший, он же есть и вошедший, превышек всех небес, дабы наполнить все. И он поставил одних апостолами, других пророками, иных евангелистами, иных пастырями и учителями к совершению святых на дело служения для создания тела Христова. Да поле все придем в единство веры и познание Сына Божия, мужа совершенного, в меру полного возврата Христова. So, uh, there's a lot of interesting theology in this uh, section. В этой части много интересной теологии and a couple of points that theologians like to focus in on and debate. Um, but I don't want to emphasize that today. What I think uh, is, is important for us to see for the moment is that is it the emphasis on how Christ has rescued us. And that he rescued us and gave each member of the church different gifts for different purposes. This includes the, the structure of a, of a local church. 
So as, as Christian believers, we're not so, just supposed to be independent cells floating around and in our own faith by ourselves. And if I, if I remember my biology correctly, if we have a, just a clump of cells that are all the same, that's a, that's a tissue. But we're not just supposed to be one part of the body. We're supposed to be different cells as part of a single body. And this includes the leadership of a church. I'm, I'm really, really thankful for the leadership of, of this local church. And as I mentioned before, many, many of different faces from when we came five years ago. There have been few consistent leaders who have been here that whole time. And I hope you will pray for and encourage the members of the church council and your pastor. Because they, they carry the burdens of their own lives and also of yours as well. And coming back to, to Paul's description of Christ's gift of the church, we need each other. Back in April, when several of you were were baptized, Steve reminded us that a Christian without the church is impossible. Because we are, as we'll read in a minute, we are, we are members of one another. And, and finally, from this section, Paul says that the goal of having different roles in the church is unity and maturity. And that we would experience the, the fullness of Christ. Um, let's read verses 14. Uh, 14 through 16. So in a sense, these verses summarize the first half of the chapter. Strong on truth, but rich in love, held together in Christ, and acting 
in all ways for the good of the body. And so now the rest of the chapter is Paul talking about more the, the mindset of what it means to have new life in Christ. And first he talks about what are the things that, that threaten to destroy the each person and the body of Christ. So now let's read verses uh, four, uh, 17 through 24. По причине их невежества и ожесточения сердца их. Они, дойдя до бесчувствия, предались распутству так, что делают всякую нечистоту с ненасытимостью. Но вы не так познали Христа, потому что вы слышали о Нем и в Нем научились, так как истинного Иисуса отложить прежний образ жизни ветхого человека и сливающегося в обольстительных похотях, а обновиться духом ума вашего и облечься в нового человека, so here talk, Paul talks about putting off the, the old self and putting on the new self. When he, he just sneaks this in uh, at the end where he says that you will be like, be like God. And now this reminds us of Adam and Eve in the garden. That uh, they were made in the image of God to glorify God. And and yet in trying to uh, grasp at being being like God, they they broke uh, their relationship with God. And so they were maintained the image of God, but in a broken sort of way. And so all of the things that make a, made Adam and Eve like, like God have now been twisted around. And these are the, many of the things that Paul highlights in this section. So what does he say about how the how the Gentiles walk? He says they are, in verse 18, uh, have darkened understanding. He talks about their ignorance. He mentions the hardness of heart. And these, this, this lack of understanding and hard-heartedness then leads to other sins. It talks about impurity, sensuality, greediness. 
And then he mentions the, the deceitful lusts, lusts of, of desire. Uh, verse 18. And this lust or desire is, is deceiving because it, it makes you think you're going to be fulfilled, but, she, but it offers nothing. And all of this has, has separated them from the life of God. And this God's purpose for creating humans was for us to live in life. But instead, Paul says, we can put on the new self. And we can be like God as we were created to be. And this is not something, as Paul has already said, that we can do for ourselves. But rather, it's the Holy Spirit at work in our hearts that allows us to live this recreated life. So now, in the, in the final verses of this chapter, Paul talks about how we live together. In this new self. So let's read verses 25 through 32. Посему, отвергнув ложь, говорите истину каждому ближнему своему, потому что мы члены друг другу. Гневаясь не согрешайте. Солнце да не зайдет во гневе вашем, и не давайте место дьяволу. Кто крал, вперед не кради, а лучше трудись, делая своими руками полезное, чтобы было из чего уделять нуждающимся. Никакое гневое слово да не исходит из уст ваших, So in this, in this last section, it seems like we could almost unpack each verse as its own sermon. Um, but of course I won't. <laughs> I won't do that. Um, verse 25, he says, let us be honest with one another. Now, love often involves saying something to someone that they just don't want to hear. Love is not always nice. It's not loving to hold back from, from telling someone that they're on the road to suffering. It's actually 
disregard or hatred for your brother or sister to not pull them back. Verses 26 and 27. He says, don't sin in your anger. Now, some anger is righteous anger. When we get angry at something in the world that's unjust, and that would, that's godly anger. But, uh, but most of the time, let's be honest, I'll, I'll just speak for myself, uh, most of the time my anger is not anger at injustice. My anger is selfishly motivated, motivated from uh, something that someone has done against me. We must never act on selfish anger or let our anger fester or grow. Because this gives the devil uh, a wedge into our lives. And drives a wedge between us and others. Verse 28. He says that those who have been stealing should steal no longer. But uh, rather they should work and share what they have. So can you imagine a part of the body, you know, parts of the body stealing nourishment from other parts of the body? That's not a healthy body. But rather, each part of the body should be building up the others. Verses 29 and 31. Paul emphasizes that we have to watch what we say. Now, our words are what marks us out and makes us special as the image of God. So for us to be careless or vulgar with our speech is to, um, in a sense, break that image. Now I have a friend who is a Christian who, who went through a period in his life when he, when he fell into a very deep sin. And he, he cheated on his wife. Now, because of God's grace in their lives, he's still, they, they are still married. And, and they're living together a life that honors God. But one thing that his wife said about the whole situation um, was that in the months before she found out about the affair, she noticed that her husband was using a lot more vulgar, sexualized language. 
and just in normal conversation. So something felt wrong. Jesus tells us that out of the, the fullness of the, of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so what is it that we are filling our minds and our hearts with that, that comes out? Music, television, movies. The friends, the people that we hang out with. This is all going to shape your heart and it's then going to come out in words. And, and then ultimately in your actions. Verse 30, verse 30, Paul says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit that seals us. So if the Holy Spirit truly lives in our heart, and if I'm also then filling the Holy Spirit's home, my heart, with all sorts of other junk, then he is that grieves him and he will convict me of sin. And Paul concludes in verse 32 by saying, be kind and forgive one another. Just as God in Christ has forgiven you. So all of what he has said has to be covered and, and understood in, in grace. So, some final thoughts for you. I think this passage teaches us, and, and I would encourage you, walk in the truth. We're surrounded in our lives by lies. There's the lies of the world out there. There's lies in our head and our heart. It's amazing that we are the easiest ones for ourselves to deceive. It's easiest to, to fool ourselves. But instead, if we fill ourselves with God's word and, and tell it to others, that is how we walk in the truth. But we also walk, we're also supposed to walk in love. And so we are to love our brothers and sisters as ourselves. As if we were one body. The hand washing the face. And speaking of washing, we should be attentive or careful about our, our purity. And this means opening up your life to be accountable to others. I think the biggest lie, one of the biggest lies that we believe from our culture is that our 
private life is private. But in reality, the things that we do in the privacy of our, of our thoughts, in our homes, it affects everyone else in our lives. You know, things, things have been, I think, especially hard in the last couple of years. And things will continue to be hard. Um, as I said before, different, different people in this church from when uh, we came five years ago. And the, some of the most joyful things that I've seen in the life of this church have come out of suffering. Or at least difficulty. So, as we were singing the first song, and I was thinking about um, how we have three people from Ukraine who weren't here uh, five years ago, and two people from Lithuania. Two from Lithuania who were here, yes, up here leading the music. I, I was thinking about the first time, one of the first times that Corey and I led the music together. I don't remember when, you know, about five years ago. And I remember how, how difficult it was to, to worship in a different language. The struggle that it was to sing songs, to pronounce the words in Lithuanian. And, you know, I still, in many, in many, many songs now, I feel that I know them better in Lithuanian. But it still, it still requires me to focus and to, to, to struggle a little bit. But the, one of the unexpected joys of our life here has been being part of this church. And so I want to encourage you to lean, lean on each other. You've been so gracious to, to, flex the, to, to be flexible in the service, to add all of the English in the service. And now, in, a, in these last few months, we've been doing a lot more in Russian as well. I know that this is difficult, but it is enormously important and, and so special. And through the time of, of COVID lockdowns, the, the church was a very important support for our family. And, 
And through COVID, I think there were differences of opinion and disagreements. But we remained united in love. And, and we were bearing with one another, as Paul says. And we praise God that, I, as far as I know, we didn't, we didn't lose anyone to, uh, to COVID. But now we have difficulties of, uh, of war and economic troubles as well. So the days to come will be difficult. And you will not grow as a disciple or in, in ministry if you do not stay connected to the local church. We need one another. And the final thing I would say is keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. And remind yourself and remind one another what he's done. Amen.